Hi, hello. How you doing? This is the Run, a comic book podcast about comic book runs, be it characters, creators, or sagas. On this special mini mailbag episode, since we never got to him in the last couple of episodes, is John the Kovacs. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm fantastic. And as always, Christopher Boyce, how are you? Uh, feeling fresh as a daisy and ready to roll. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so the last couple of episodes, as I mentioned, we did not answer any emails because we were running a little far on time and, you know, fuck it, whatever. So I figured we could answer the emails that people sent because it'd be kind of an insult for someone to waste their time. I know I'd be kind of pissed if someone says send us emails and then just never read any whatsoever. So the first one comes in from Gerald. With you guys doing a 90s stuff so far... Who would be your Mount Rushmore of writers or artists to represent the 90s? Rob Layfield four times. Rob um, Layfield. No. Rob Layf- no, I mean, Mount Rushmore. Well, let's let's think about this. Not all the presidents, not many presidents, if any, are good people all when it's said and done. I mean, George Washington owned slaves, and he's on Mount Rushmore. So, I mean, I'm going to go not... with uh, Wade and Ross on that one. Wait, Mark Wade and Alex Ross? Both yeah, of them? Yeah, just because... No, oh, that's. I feel like that's when they started because the kingdom come. That's right when uh, you figure Alex Ross really took off during the nineties. Uh-huh. Uh, him and Midoriya. Um, I mostly the artists, writers. I I don't know. I, I'd have to look back and see what I read to tell you because honestly, I back then when I was so young, I didn't pay attention to writers to be honest. But that's the only that's the only one I can think of because the kingdom come was so. Uh, Influential is the word you're looking yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Basically, Ro- yeah. Ross Ross did uh, Marvels as well, which was also a seminal work. I don't know if he would be considered on Mount Rushmore, though, for the 90s. Like, Why? It came out in the mid-90s. It, it did, but has it really lasted? Has, has his impact lasted? I mean, people will say, read Kingdom Come or read Marvels. I see those suggestions here and there, but... I don't think I've actually heard the name Alex Ross in God knows how long. I think I actually agree with Chris to a point with Rob Liefeld being on there, for better or for worse. So, uh, it definitely would be Rob Liefeld, for better or worse. Um, but and I'm trying not to do like all image guys, but you definitely got to put Todd McFarlane on there. Yeah, and I'd say Jim Lee, too. <laughs> so it's just going to be four image guys, or three image guys, and, then, and Alex Ross. Well, I mean, but what's your definition of... Uh... Mount Rushmore, because like I said, it depends on the impact. It, it just depends on your definition of it. Because again, like I said, you look again. I look at Alex Ross. I don't think anybody else has had much of. There's been people to follow in his art style, but he was the first one. And honestly, uh, I don't think he's done any books per se. But when he did his whole run of uh, Amazing Spider-Man after Secret Wars. He did all the covers, and I mean, that was one of the best things of that run. It, it was uh, thirty some issues, uh-huh. and I mean, the covers are just great. And yeah, it's not a whole book, but to me, a lot of those guys anymore. Well, besides this crappy Liefeld Snake Eyes book coming out that I'm not too happy about. Look at how many influential artists or good artists we have these days. That all they're doing now is covers. You know what I mean? Unfortunately. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the artists from maybe past ten years or so are just artists for covers anymore. It's it's a shame. Like I think of Marcos Martin 
and how he's just become kind of a cover guy, which is sad because he draws a lot like Steve Ditko. Uh, what about writers, though? I mean, you got Neil Gaiman with Sandman. I mean, Sandman alone, I think, is pretty popular. Or Garth Enos. That's what I was going to say was Neil Gaiman. I would like to say Enos, but I feel like his his stuff kind of dipped into the early 2000s when it really took off, with the exception of you know Preacher, obviously, and I guess Hitman. But besides those... You could argue Judge Dredd, but I never really read that shit. So. Yeah, no one, no one ever mentions Judge Dredd. No, I would say... have to go McFarlane, uh, Layfield. Uh, I, I would, I would say Mark Wade. Um, he did a lot of good shit uh, back then. Um, I mean, he still does good shit to this day. And uh, let's let's get a pretentious answer. I'll just say Daniel Klaus. Um, what about what about Grant Morrison? I'm not really a fan Again. of his work, but I mean, you, you got The Invisibles, you got JLA. You have, yeah, and then with him, you also got Warren Ellis. Um, mm. Frank did Frank Miller do a lot of writing in the '90s? I don't. I don't think so. I'm trying to uh, let's see. He did a bunch of Dark Horse stuff, Sin City, uh, Martha Washington, um, Ronin. I think was in the '90s, early '90s, maybe. But most of his stuff, I think, was around Dark Horse. He wasn't with DC or Marvel at that time. Um, yeah, all great writers, but I feel like a lot of their seminal works came after the 90s. Uh, I'm going to say Mark Millar because he started in the 90s. And I'm going to say the book that they started with was uh, Aztec with him and uh, Grant Morrison. Yeah, they were a team for a while. They did a uh, Skrull Kill Crew as well. And I, uh, something else I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, maybe that maybe that's a strike against them though, because I can't remember what else they've done. But Miller also but I'm did the say authority. Him. Yeah, I'm going to say him only because he started in the 90s, and then I feel he's had love him or hate him again. And, it, and this is all subjective to us. Is The, the writer of the uh, email could have his own opinion as well, but I'm going to pick him as one of my other uh, Mount Rushmore writers because I feel since then he's done a lot of really good work. So, so we got McFarlane, Millar... Mark Wade and Mark Miller. Miller, Millar, is that what we want to say? Millar. Is that the consensus? So the next run's just going to be. I remember one. reading in a wizard interview saying that his name was pronounced Miller, despite how it was spelled, but now everyone pronounces it Millar, so I don't even know what to fucking think anymore. He was also on drugs at that time, I would imagine. So who knows if he was even telling the truth. Oops. Uh, I'm also going to say Midoriya was an artist of the 90s, too. So, and you know what? Let's say Joe Casada because he was actually doing artwork then. So six people on this Mount Rushmore. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's one from Daniel real quick. Why my PP get hard? Saw something you liked. Yeah, if you don't know the answer to that question, I can't help you. All right. A lot of these are just... Sometimes you just don't know what the fuck is wrong with you. Yeah. A lot of these are just the... I don't know why. I guess is they're just new listeners or something like that. It's just like, what's your favorite character? What's your favorite... Sto- it's... I don't know, milk toast stuff we've we've probably answered before or it's gonna change. Uh try to give us I guess I don't think we've done a we've have we really done a who's your favorite this, who's your favorite that for all of us? I mean we've covered some stuff, but we haven't done like our own like reading bios, let's say call it that. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I I it feels like we have. I mean I could be wrong, but I mean it, it begins and ends with a max for me. So there you go. Yeah, I wouldn't even know what to say. Like a definitive favorite. Is. Yeah, because next week I could say you could say something else. No, I, I have mean, a definitive favorite. What is that? 
uh, Usagi Ojimbo. Oh, look at this. This is a hipster pick. Stan oh, Sasaki. No, I, I trust I me. Ex- you know what? You you read his books are just honestly, and I'm not a big fan of since it moved over to IDW and it's in color. I like the black and white, but to be honest, his books, I I don't know. They're just like a perfect read. They're well written. I mean, he write he writes and illustrates his own books, and everything about it I think is phenomenal. And it took me a long time to get on board. I always remember reading Wizards about it. Mm-hmm. And then I had the opportunity to buy a large collection from issue one to like 120. And then I was able to catch the more, you know, then start actually getting current stuff after that. And I'll be honest, I was really disappointed, not disappointed, but it was actually sad when I was getting to the end of my run and realizing I'm going to have to start waiting for issues to come out because right. it's that good. Yeah, all in our years together, you've never mentioned Usagi Ojimbo. That's why it surprised me. I don't know. Like, besides the max off the top of my head, like, it could change for me any day of the week. So, uh, top of my head, I would probably say Jesse Custer as a favorite character. Um, I think he has a really good arc and a fantastic fucking story. I wonder still how... haven't finished uh, the TV show, by the way, The Preacher. Still need to see the final season. That thing sucks. I gave up on it. Which is, I don't know. I, I, I liked it, it for what it was. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I was burned down in The Walking Dead as well. I was saying that work, and I don't know. Ugh, it kind of went in its own way, which is fine. Because if you do a shot-for-shot remake of the book, you know what's going to happen. I mean, look at movies like Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, JJ has one here. Is there any character out there you consider a Poochie, but you ended up liking them? Uh, Poochie being the Simpsons term where it's a uh, character created just out of thin air, a new character that just shows up and he becomes the forced popular one down your throat and everyone hates him. Mm. Uh, I have two that come to mind. Uh, Superior Spider-Man. I thought I was going to hate that. And uh, I ended up thinking that was an amazing, no pun intended, uh, arc uh, for that character. And another one is when Jeff Johns took over Flash. I could say all his rogue gallery, his entire rogue gallery in general, but I would say Captain Cold is another one because he used to just be some lame-o with a parka on, a freeze ray, and he kind of turned him into a anti-hero badass. to a degree. Yeah, like a badass, but not really anti-hero, but he played by a set of rules that he respected the Flash in a way. And uh, if bad guys didn't respect the rules that he made, he would take care of that himself. You can see that in, uh, if I recall, Final Crisis, the Rogue's Revenge story. That's a pretty good uh, Captain Cold story there. With the definition of Poochie, I feel like a lot of people feel that new Marvel characters are that way. Um, a lot of people like to decry, oh, it's just social justice warrior pandering and blah, 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 blah. Um, if somebody's been that... watching all the YouTube about the new Warriors book. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about it. I mean, I reserve judgment. It sounds stupid, but I mean, if it's written well and it doesn't pander too much and it doesn't take itself too seriously, it could be a good title. Um, you know, don't judge a book by its cover unless it's a comic because they kind of have to because it's a very visual medium. I thought that was a but, TV show. Uh, no, it's going to be a comic. No, it's a comic. Oh, God. Okay. The fact that they actually named the two characters Safe Space and Snowflake, like, there's no way it can't be parody in there or satire. So, yeah, that's, that's yeah, right I mean, past the nose. Yeah, exactly. But, um, I don't know. I mean, 
maybe it's an unpopular opinion, but maybe it's only because the stories that I've read her in, I've actually really enjoyed it, which would be like America Chavez. I haven't read too much stuff. I haven't read her own solo stuff, but like when she shows up in like Avengers or Ultimates 2, just, yeah, I think she's pretty fucking cool. Star portals to other dimensions, like, fuck yeah. Ms. Marvel, the newer one, Kamala Khan, she seemed kind of lame at first, but I ended up liking her. I'm not like going to defend her to the death, but I don't hate her like so many other people do. It seems to be like a love-hate with her. Well, that's Again. the thing. Like you said, it's because it's written well, or they actually create... <sighs> There's a part of me that really hates the fact that this comics community who embraces differences and is supposed to embrace, in theory, sometimes a lot of it, embrace differences. And what's more different than the fact, like, again, I'm going to bring up the new New Wars book. We don't know what it's – it could be the best thing written in this whole year. And people are so quick to judgment, like you said about Superior Spider-Man. I yeah. told you know I I never, I never doubted that book because Dan Slott was doing such a phenomenal job on Amazing Spider-Man. And I was like, I can't believe that Marvel let them go the route that they did with that character, making Doc Ock take over Peter Parker's body. And like you said, everybody hated it. I'm like, nobody's reading it because they're idiots, because it's actually that good. I never didn't like that character. That thing was, his entire run besides Spider Island was phenomenal. And Spider Island was okay, but it was a hiccup. It was was not as good as the rest of his. It wasn't out of all... Out of his entire run, Spider Island, I thought, was the weakest story point that he made. But that's good. And like you said about Camille Khan, I, I never didn't like her. I just didn't read her because I, I just didn't have enough. I, I really didn't care to buy enough to read about her. But since she's been in there and I've read her in a couple things, she's a great character. Like in in it's the whole fact that Marvel was embracing differences a lot of people still can't get get on that bandwagon apparently but once you do you realize this is a unique character and it's again it's, as long as it's well written who who cares right you can you can do anything and as long as the character's written well you know i'm sure like, there's a ton of people that hated whenever they made iceman gay you know oh yeah that's right they, I, they had the new x-men and they figured out that young bobby drake was uh gay yeah and then it retroactively basically made adult made adult, adult Bobby gay and he finally realized yes I'm gay and the thing is that whenever he was young it wasn't socially accepted and all this stuff and it 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 was it was this awesome moment of having this younger character that would have been so introverted in the past because he wouldn't have been able to accept his sexuality and understand it come out and then it helped the adult version of that same person realize what was going on with him, you know? So as long as it's written well, it's going to be fine. Uh, you can argue that ice, you can argue that Iceman made it cool to be gay. I hate you. Uh. <laughs> I, I will say that I'm going to isolate. Uh, I'm not saying, acknowledging that with it. You saying I'm gay, I'm going to isolate that and use that as a sound drop, I think, later. Yes, I'm gay. Yes, I'm gay. <laughs> Real quick, would you consider uh, Damien like that? Or did everyone like him off the bat? Because I remember yeah. when he first showed up, I was just kind of like, eh, but like once he became Robin, I was just like, okay, I can dig this. Yeah, yeah even though Damien's he wasn't with Bruce. He's a good poochie that got redeemed. I hated him mm-hmm. as well. Of course, I kind of hated the Grant Morrison Batman because I was just, maybe I'm just too dumb 
but it just confused the fuck out of me and i'm just like uh, I, I guess whatever i'll just i'll keep buying this even though i don't like it because maybe it'll make sense on issue i don't know 15 or something like that of the run but i just hated that issue he released where it was essentially a novel oh, oh that was horrible artwork. yeah yeah that's uh i was like it you know, I don't read these. I I read them for the art. I don't read them to read books. So if I read a book, I'm going to read a book. <laughs> it was weird because that was like the whole like, what was that Batman R.I.P. where he was supposedly supposed to be dead and then he wasn't dead and then they killed him anyways for like the Black Lantern stuff. It was it was a very bizarre time in Batman. Yeah. Well, tied in with Final Crisis or something. Uh, we're like not. That. Th- I, th- that's a whole other yeah, podcast discussing DC's yeah. effed up continuity. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, finally here. I was thinking about this while I was at work the other day and want to pose this question to you two. If Bruce Banner comes and turns into the Hulk seconds before the load comes out, does the load become Hulkified? Yes. I mean, you you broke, like, I mean, it it would only make sense. I mean, if everything else is Hulkified, why would that be the only exception? Would, would like, all right, he orgasms, but like milliseconds, happen and he turns into the hulk does it become a bruce banner load or does it does the mass just all of a sudden get bigger as well people talk about the things dick all the time but i'm thinking about stuff like this if he if he blows and then transforms <laughs> it would be it's still inside him though well also how long does the transformation last like is it like in an instant that he transforms or is it that gradual no. build up because he could be it would, gradually it would, building it i would think that Maybe the load would change, but the pressure wouldn't because the pressure is based off of the human muscles. So and like if he changes, yeah, it would probably, it would, it wouldn't even like probably come out because it'd be like, would, no, it would wouldn't it be even a make trickle? it out. Would it be a trickle of cum, but there's so much of it, it's just like petering out for like three minutes because there's no pressure behind it? <laughs> it would look like the Nickelodeon <laughs> Kids Choice Awards. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, that's going to do it for the emails. However, before we go... Oh, that's it. Oh. <laughs> but before we go, I mentioned I mentioned an episode two ago that comic book resources and Newsarama and all those other... Com- and comicbook.com, they're all really, really bad websites anymore. They used to be decent for news, but in the age of Twitter, and I guess bleeding cool to a degree since Rich Johnson used to work for CBR, there really is no need to get news from anywhere else anymore. And... CBR especially loves to put out these puff pieces of listicles like it's BuzzFeed in 2011 still and do a little bit of quick reading series here on a couple of these uh, articles here. And the first one is the 10 most heartbreaking things that happened during the age of apocalypse. Now, before I go and start reading this list off to you guys, was there anything that was actually heartbreaking? Did you did you feel upset at all or anything? Personally, I didn't. I mean, it's really hard to tug at my heartstrings. I was just heartbroken over the in, kind of entire story. <laughs> the idea is there, but it just does doesn't hold up for today. Was there anything heartbreaking that you could think of off the top of your head? No. Forge died. Okay. Um. Yeah. I should turn this into a game to see if you guys can guess this uh-huh. hacks uh, list. Okay, this is by Jorge Solis. He is on my list for sure because I've read a bunch of stuff from this guy. I saw one of his articles and I just clicked his name to see all his other content and it's really bad. He hasn't written anything since January 22nd though, so hopefully Jorge is still with us. So here we go. 
I said he got furloughed. The alternate universe of Age of Apocalypse is in one of the fate of heart, and these are the saddest moments. With Professor Charles Xavier dead and Magneto taking over for the Marvel Comics superhero team, Marvel created the Age of Apocalypse. All these articles, by the way, are in a very, in Webster's Dictionary states type of dictation. They all start off that way, uh, much like this one. The X-Men were not acting all like themselves because the timeline had changed so drastically. Because he was a time traveler, the mutant known as Bishop was stranded in a dystopian future, searching for hope among the devastation left behind by the tyrannical ruler known as Apocalypse. With a single chance to reset things right, Bishop realizes desperate measures and ultimate sacrifices had to be made. David Charles Haller, the mutant son of Charles Xavier and Gabriel Haller, woke up and blah, blah, blah. He gives us the whole thing. He even mentions Eric Lenscher. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, <laughs> who? So, number 10, Bishop's Return. Yes, that's for some reason on here is what? heartbreaking. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. After failing In Alpha? After failing to stop Legion from killing Xavier, Bishop has lived in exile for many years, haunted by his own mistake. Upon his unexpected return, X-Men Alpha number one, Bishop has now physically and mentally challenged. Traumatized by his failure, Bishop has shaved... Wow, there's, this is really bad editing. Bishop has shaved his entire head and got rid of his beard, making himself barely recognizable. Because he is a time traveler, Bishop has memories of the other timeline and sees things that are completely wrong. This is truly heartbreaking portrayal to see how far Bishop has fallen from his former self. Because he shaved his head and his beard off. (laughs) Which is what he kind of... Does he? I don't know if he still looks like that today. I don't think so. But throughout the 2000s, that's exactly what he looked like. And, oh, he doesn't look like Bishop. I'm sorry. Does he still have the giant M tattooed across his eye? Yeah. Then, yeah, that's Bishop, you dummy. Also, he's been in a horrible future already. So He wasn't in the future. Yeah, he wasn't in the future. He was actually in a horrible path to the present is what he was in. Yeah. Oh, but, my God. But I'm saying his, his, his timeline, his own personal timeline is just already depressing but it's just uh, bad moving on number nine skin <laughs> skin versus husk not skin dying at the end of generation next skin versus husk do we even remember this yeah but how is this heartbreaking well uh, glad you asked yeah. in the pages of generation x angelo espinosa aka skin and Paige guthrie also known as husk were the best of friends the pair would end up playing crossword puzzles as a way to outwit each other. The two were always constantly teasing each other. Unfortunately, their friendship no longer exists in Generation Next. During an intensive training session, Husk reveals just how cold-hearted she really is and refuses to bail out Skin when he asks for help. This version of Husk has no sense of loyalty. It could care less about what happens to her teammates. I think the heartbreaking thing is that this guy, this, uh, who, who wrote this, has Jorge no concept Solis. of... Has no concept that... Of what hardship these characters have lived through well, is what my I think the saddest part of this uh, article, <laughs> and the fact that it's <laughs> what they were trying to do. I think that's the worst, the saddest part of it. The also, entire Pacific Northwest got turned into a nuclear reactor, and everyone died. Is that on the list? Well, because like that's see. way more. That's way more heartbreaking than fucking uh, husk and Beef. skin aren't friends anymore. And skin, fuck you, skin. Honestly. He just came oh, back. Or, or, or Wakanda, Wakanda getting wiped out or something. Well, well come on. We'll, we'll keep going. Number eight. Chris got it. Death okay. of Forge. What, what's, what's number eight? Death of Forge. 
In this alternate version of Cable, Nate Gray was genetically engineered by Sinister as a powerful weapon to destroy Apocalypse. The fight against Apocalypse forced the super genius Forge to replace his eyes, arms, and legs with cybernetic implants. While protecting Nate, Forge died a horrible death during his fatal battle against Essex, one of Apocalypse's henchmen. Unable to control his telepathic powers, Nate could feel Forge's pain as Essex tore him limb from limb, having lost his only father figure. Nate held what was left of Forge's destroyed body in his arms. So, yeah, I guess you could consider that heartbreaking in a way. They kind of played up the the father-son angle, and Chris, you called that one. But that's only because of we're searching for straws here of, like, character development and what you would think would be sad written on the page, so... Um, actually, I can think of another one. I'm not sure if it's going to be on the list, though. Okay. Again, but what we're only at eight. So let me just let you continue, and I'll chime in if it's on there. And if not, I'll let you know. Okay. Number seven, Death of Scarlet Witch. Remember her? In oh, X- yeah. In X-Men Chronicles 1, Wanda Maximoff, also known as Scarlet Witch, is an official member of the Mutant Who. I will say that, honestly, the end of... Now, has this idiot... What's that issue of Uncanny X-Men where Ileana dies? Has this idiot ever read that one? Because, I mean, I'll be honest, that's actually a pretty rough book to read, in my opinion, even to this day. So I'm going to put that one out. Okay, that, but that's, that's my that's, point. That's not on the Age of Apocalypse, though. Next question. Ne- next comment. <laughs> All right. Anyway, while Magneto and the X-Men... No, I don't are, care, but this guy Mag- clearly... There is nothing... It's pretty bad, but it's going to get worse. While Magneto and his X-Men are fighting Apocalypse and his horsemen, Wanda volunteers to watch over the children at their special school. Magneto realizes it's too late that this was all a distraction as Apocalypse actually sent Nemesis to destroy the school. While Rogue rescues the school children, Wanda ends up fighting to the death against Nemesis. With just a few that seconds, never happens. <laughs> it's that off never, page. You know, Magneto, these people, oh, <sighs> these idiots write, read this stuff and they don't actually read the book. Magneto, that never was part of the book. Magneto, Apocalypse just sent Nemesis there to attack the school. Magneto doesn't realize that after they foiled his plot at the nuclear launch site or do that oh he was just going to launch these nukes to distract me from attacking the school no he was going to launch the nukes to launch the nukes oh my god all right next one oh yeah you, and, and like you the, fucked up Jorge. it's also funny because scarlet witch we get her for i don't know half a book whereas forge they actually put some development into him yet he's lower on the list for some reason he's more of a fleshed out character uh here we go number six Rogue cannot touch her own son. In this alternate universe, Rogue chose to stay with Magneto instead of former thief Remy LeBeau, also known as Gambit. See, like, that's, like, the writing in this is just, uh, yes, we all know who that is. Why don't you just say Gambit instead? I, this guy's padding word count for sure. Because There's no one who's reading this who is just like, Remy LeBeau, who is that? Exactly. This guy is super padding out uh, word count here. Because Magneto can use his magnetic powers to touch Rogue. She doesn't have to worry about absorbing his life force. In the pages of X-Men Alpha number one, readers discover Magneto named his firstborn son after his best friend after tucking in young Charles to sleep and saying prayers with him. Hold on. Yes, dear. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to edit that out because that was actually tipsy. I thought it was <laughs> That needs to stay in there. She's right there. You can see her. Okay, did this, did this fool omit the fact that... Rogue absorbed Polaris' power, and the whole thing was that Magneto probably taught her how to touch people the way that he was touching her with a magnetic field. I don't know. We're going to have to keep reading and find out, Jonathan. 
Okay. After tucking in young Charles to sleep and saying prayers with him, there's an immense sadness in Rogue. Unable to take off her gloves, Rogue wonders if her son will ever feel the warm embrace of his loving mother. Number five. This one I guess I can kind of agree with, even though there wasn't too much development between the two characters on a, uh, I guess, romantic level. Colossus kills Kitty. According to Shi'ar legend, the Emkron crystal is considered to be the nexus of all realities. Though untrained, Ileana Rasputin, Colossus's little sister, has the power of a sorceress to command the Emkron crystal. Oh my god, we're going to this explanation. Yeah, exactly. Webster's Dictionary states, Bishop believes Ileana is integral in summoning the Emkron crystal to undo Xavier's murder. After Bishop and Ileana disappearance of the Emkron crystal, Colossus goes crazy and shatters Iceman. Kitty Pride, also known as Shadowcat, Again, padding word count. Thinks Colossus will stop because he loves her. During this stampede, Colossus doesn't stop and ends up stomping over Kitty, crushing her head. Number four. Chris, you look very upset at this. Let's just keep going, man. All right. Get that heartbreak. Get them feels. Brother versus brother. Alex and Scott Summers were raised at the orphanage run by Nathaniel Essex, also known as Sinister. Though he raised the two siblings like they were their own children, Sinister. Oh had... my God! This is number four. <laughs> Sinister had always <laughs> treated Cyclops like his favorite because Sinister demonstrated his favoritism for Scott over Alex. This drove a huge wedge between Havoc and Cyclops, as if it were his own purpose in life. Havoc wanted to prove that he was truly better than Cyclops, rather than help save the world from nuclear oblivion. Havoc used his mutant powers to kill his own brother. Number three, she's no phoenix. In this alternate universe, Jean Grey chose to be with Wolverine instead of Cyclops in order to keep the nuclear warheads from striking Jean Grey. Wow. To keep the nuclear warheads from striking, Jean Grey was using her telepathic powers at full force to keep them in midair. Just when her plan was actually working... That's not how telepathy works. Listen, I'm trying to (laughs) read this. Wait, hang on a second. To keep the missiles from striking... Comma, Jean Grey. Yes, that's that's why I got. I guess okay, because yeah, it's it's written weird. When but... when you say it out loud, it sounds like the missile's going to hit her. But at the same time, do missiles really? I don't know. Detonate would probably exactly. be a better word. That's, that's Anyways, why I, I flubbed there for a moment. I was confused myself. Just when her play was actually working, Havoc struck Jean from behind and killed her. There was no Phoenix Force to come in and bring Gene back from the dead. After driving his adamantium claws through Havoc's chest, Wolverine held Gene in his arms as she used her last breath to tell her or tell him that she loved him. No, she didn't. Or no, he didn't. Did you not read the page? Because <laughs> I, I I we talked about this either. last one that he left the body underneath Psychop's body. Yeah. Number two, the nuclear apocalypse. <laughs> so, Chris, I guess you're kind of right there. The end of the book. Yeah, well, yes, but. I mean, Chris kind of said it, it kind of already started happening, but, you know, with the, the mass murder in Seattle and all across America. In the closing pages of X-Men Omega number one, the world is still going to end. After splitting apart Apocalypse with his bare magnetic hands, Eric decides to watch the world burn with his family. I mean, he really doesn't have a choice at all. I mean, does he? Embracing death, Magneto has no idea if Bishop went back in time and <laughs> saved his best friend while holding his son tightly. Magneto tells his wife, Rogue, that he wouldn't have changed anything. As the nuclear warheads hit the ground and unleash hell on Earth, Magneto says he would have always chose to follow in the path of Xavier's dream. So, there you go. Alright, last one. Do you guys have any guesses on what number one is? Chris, you said you had it here, so. 
Um, I would say Magneto not rescuing Polaris. That would be a good one because that's his daughter. Right? Yeah. 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 John, Heartbreaking. I have no idea. This is reaching. We didn't. We don't read that Magneto finds out that his plan worked. So part of that second one is interesting. I never thought of it that the world is ending and he doesn't even realize that his plan worked. So I'm not saying it's sad, but I'll admit that that's an interesting perspective that I would have not known until you just read this ridiculous list. Well, also a slight spoiler alert in the 10th anniversary, it turns out. Whoa, whoa, what are we talking about? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, what are you talking yeah, about? No, yeah. we're, we're, okay. we're, we're, okay. we're not there yet. Yeah. Next episode. Number one, Bishop's last words. In the climax of X-Men Omega number one, Bishop finds himself traveling back in time just mere moments before David kills Xavier. After Bishop fights his other self, he saves Xavier and steps in when Legion strikes. While Bishop absorbs his power, Legion witnesses the events of the alternate universe and feels unbelievably regretful. Yeah, that's, that's a way of putting it, I guess. Realizing the mistake he had made, David asks for forgiveness, but Bishop isn't going to let him off easy as the timeline resets itself. Bishop coldly reminds David that he ruined his father's dream and Xavier would not be proud of him. That is the number one saddest thing in the Age of Apocalypse. Wow. Well, my heart's broken. The, oh. Honestly, the end of Generation Next... Yes. It's not it's not so much I mean nope. it is actually kind of sad that the whole team dies and it's not that I cried but it's probably no. the most emotional book because it's actually written well. Yeah. But he doesn't, all... he doesn't he doesn't bring that up the fact that Colossus had to let his students die to save his sister. Yeah. Like he tried like actually that is the saddest part is that he literally was trying to pry the door open and he had to peer in as Husk is like surrounded by an army of Sugarman's goons and she's reaching out for him to help. He literally could not hold the door open and it just closes on him. How is that not on the list? And Wolverine is holding, not holding Jean as she dies on what, what, what are these kids these days? I mean, they can't even write. Who knows if he's a kid? Well, so, read apparently. So my question is this article, like, <laughs> Who came up with this? Did the, did the writer himself be like, well, I have to submit an article for this website. Let's do this. Or did somebody say like, hey, we want this article, 10 Heartbreaking Moments from Age of Apocalypse. Read it, write it. I don't know how you even come up with this stupid concept to begin with, to publish it, to expect people to actually want to read. Well, and if you did come up with it, you fucked up so bad by missing the more heartbreaking stuff. Usually it's just people requesting to submit something to a publisher and if the publisher likes it they'll they'll put it up for content. Well, it's suckers everyone reads listicles still. I don't know why it's it's mind-numbingly boring and like I said yeah. a couple times over it's Webster's dictionary states that Remy LeBeau is gambit in case you didn't know. I mean it's it's clickbait is what it is. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'll admit I fall for it. Yeah, I don't see, know exactly. Why there you go, Chris. It started to show up in my yeah. iPhone news CBR stuff has started to show up in my iPhone newsfeed, and I don't know why. And it's it annoys the hell out of me. And let me you... give you an example. And the worst part about it, some of his stuff was slightly accurate, but let me quiz you two if you guys remember this. Old Man Logan, who tricks Wolverine into uh, decimating the X-Men? Which, which, which villain does that? 
Spider-Man Mysterio. Yeah. So you guys know that. So <laughs> there was a list of like shocking Wolverine moments. So they, they talk about that one that Wolverine kills the X-Men, blah, blah, blah. And he's tricked by Mr. Sinister to kill the X-Men in this. And I'm like, did you even read the book? Yeah. Mr. Sinister, like, seriously, it's the whole fact that Mysterio, like, it was the whole fact Mysterio was able to trick even his scent and, and made him completely think it was all the villains, you know? And I'm like, I was, like, reading this, it, it, the fact that they... Man, you're really heated it, about this. Oh, dude, I am. Because uh, that's one of the best, I actually think that's one of the best, a really great Wolverine story. And, like, that's a heart, honestly, that's one of the most heartbreaking things. I, like, when you read that page... And then you saw that splash page of him, he, he, he's killing Jubilee, and then you see the splash page of him having decimated the X-Men, yeah, well, but he decimated the X-Men, and the fact is that he wiped out the entire X-Men because he thought he was doing whatever. It's Mysterio, and then he said, oh yeah, Mr. Sinister, or whatever, and I'm like, what the hell, how how do you mess, mess that up? That's like saying freaking Lex Luthor dropped Gwen Stacy off the bridge. I've heard of masturbation, yeah. but decimation? <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. This it's 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 just like I don't get it. I don't get these articles, and I don't get how you can publish this shit without even like really reading or proofreading it. And it's just like you you got to be being paid by the word, and it's absolutely yeah, it's, a word count. There's absolutely yeah, a word count. If I had, I should just start. We should just start doing this our fucking selves as a side hustle. Yeah, for like five bucks or whatever they're. they're Top is. ten shitty comic book clickbait articles. Everything by Jorge Solis. There's there's a few more hey, there. I don't I, let's let's find more people. I don't want to pick on Jorge. I'm no, sure he's no. a fine gentleman, I'm, but yeah. uh, I'm. Well, but there's a bunch there, of those fuckers a, out uh, there that need to be exposed as well. So don't worry, Jorge. We're coming for a, all uh, your colleagues. There's a uh, YouTube. Uh, thing and I'm going to send it to you guys and we can do a thing on this later where it's like top 10 shocking moments along that line of the age of apocalypse and I I think I told you about this Dave that I honestly expected this to be more of editorial facts as to how the book was made and just interesting stuff about it and it's basically the same stuff and again I'll send you the link and we'll have to do something about this because again they don't they never read anything they got all this information wrong and I'm like Fake news. Seriously, what the hell? (laughs) Don't get so mad. It's okay. You're going to let them win. Yeah, I wonder. (laughs) Not if we get our voice out there. What is that? Like your third glass of whiskey? Second. Mm. Okay. Yeah, we should should look into seeing if we could get a uh, job at CVR or something like that. Just write crappy clickbait articles and see if we can actually make it through. That would be interesting. There, there's a few more on here. I mean, I didn't want to go too terribly long. This is just a little buffer mailbag episode. Plus, I want to keep doing this segment some more horrible CVR listicles. Here's a couple. Here's a teaser we might do for the next episode, even though it might be the last one, the, the run for Age of Apocalypse. 15 reasons it was the best X-Man story, and one it wasn't. They do that a lot with their uh, articles. They just churn out the content of, hey... In 616 continuity, this person's either stronger or this person's weaker. So that's all it is. We might read that 15 reasons why it's great and one reason why it isn't for the next one because that one's a fucking humdinger. I think that's going to do it for us, guys. So if 
you want to send us more emails about cum, Hulk cum, or pee-pee's getting hard, or something related to comic books, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's fine, too. You can send that to therunpod at gmail.com. Therunpod at gmail.com. So, next episode is going to be the 10th anniversary of Age of Apocalypse. We're going to see how well that did as an epilogue to this entire run so far. Did it help? Did it hurt? Who knows? You'll have to tune in and find out. So, Chris, Jonathan, until next time. Until next time. To be continued. <laughs>